Uh, I hope things are different these days, but when I was at high school, there was an event that would occasionally happen. Uh, I I think it is different. Uh, the, The event, no one knew when it would happen, but it would happen at one word. One word would be shouted, and the entire school, the playground, would shift in the way we arranged ourselves. That word was fight. Uh, If fight was yelled out, that would mean everyone came running to gather around and push in on each other and see how this was going to unfold. You can see, you know, I think it is different these days. It's good. This is a commentary on We Were High School back in the day. Uh, And in that moment, we were all excited. We would yell. Our gladiators would fight, of course, and we would uh, think it's a great spectacle when the normal order of school was paused and anarchy reigned in amongst uh, the high school at that time. And um, we thought it was great. It's like, it's, it's bad, okay? I don't endorse this at all. Uh, in that moment, though, we love the moment of the mob, we love the fists, we love the anarchy where everything normal was suspended. But there would be another word that was shouted, and it would change things again. If someone yelled out the word teacher, Then a whole bunch of other stuff would happen. Everyone would run. I don't know why we ran. I'm not sure. We just didn't want to be implicated. But that word carried with it an amount of authority that would bring order back to the place like that. If the word was principal, ultra quick, right? Uh, We are in, we are looking at Jesus as Lord of Lords. We wouldn't call our teachers a Lord. That'd be weird. Uh, But someone who carries that sort of authority, power, ability to provide, wield power and authority, that's kind of what we're meant to hear when we hear the word Lord. And I think sometimes we want the anarchy, but we are actually a people that really, really need the structure and order of a Lord turning up. There was one person in the fight that always wanted the word teacher yelled. That was our gladiator that was losing. He didn't want it to continue. He wanted to hear order snapping back into place. For us, uh, we are unwrapping this Christmas gift. And I don't think your Christmas list involves, you know, chocolate fudge, you know, Apple Watch, and a Lord over my life that will structure and protect and look after me. That's probably not your list. Uh, But I want to say today... There is a blessing in us seeing Jesus as Lord of Lords. Uh, We're going to unwrap this and we're going to see the blessing of this gift. We're going to look at it from three ways, okay? So we're going to look that it's a practical gift. That's that's always good. We're going to say it's a long-lasting gift uh, and we're going to see that it's a wondrous gift. Three things, practical, long-lasting and wondrous. Uh, We all like a practical gift In 1 Timothy, it's a letter written from Paul to his young ministry apprentice, Timothy. Uh, Paul can't be with him on the ground, and so he is providing a charge for him. You know, like he's he's telling him what to do, and he, he, he tells him lots of things, ways in which to live and to lead. And um, you know how sometimes when someone's new at something or young, you say, look, just give it your best shot and it's okay. You want to decrease the pressure. Yeah, Paul doesn't do that. He increases the pressure and says, it's going to be serious work. Uh, You're going to need lots of instructions. 
you know, lots of wisdom, and in fact, there's going to be people who oppose you. They'll make life hard for you. Uh, he actually says, for Timothy, uh, life and leading in ministry is going to be like a fight. Uh, if you imagine a ship, uh, it's like Paul throughout this letter is loading up the cargo onto Timothy's ship. Uh, you need to make sure that you're leading well, instructions on how to do that. You know, there's uh, lots of cultural things that you need to be aware of. There's warnings. And I imagine as Timothy opens this letter, he does sit a little lower in the water as one Timothy, the letter unfolds and he is loaded up. But just as, about, just as he's about to be pushed out to sea, almost as the letter is finishing, we get to this part that we read just before in chapter 6. Uh, in verse 13, he's continuing the charge. You'll see it there at the end of verse 13. Uh, Paul says, literally, I charge you. I'm telling you what to do. Verse 14, to keep the command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he describes something. He changes. He describes something about who Jesus is. He says that he's the blessed one. He says that he's the only ruler that is the King of kings and Lord of lords, immortal, unapproachable, worthy of honour and might. Understand what, Tim, understand what Paul's done in that moment. Loading lots of cargo on, lots of things to do, but in that moment, uh, he has just loaded something else onto the ship. Uh, I'm not from the beach, uh, so I don't know lots about ships and sailing and things like that. Uh, but if you want a ship to sit well in the water, yes, you can load the cargo on, but you also want to put a load down deep. You want a ballast, something that'll hold it firm in the water when it gets choppy. And that's exactly what Paul has done right then. Lots of cargo, lots of things to do. But now, Timothy also know that Jesus is Lord. He has provided something safe and secure solid and firm, a deep weight to hold him steady in the waves. It's like the keel on a yacht. You don't want to put heavy things on a boat, but you do right down low. Paul loads the cargo, but he knows Timothy needs more than that, a ballast, something to hold him steady. Jesus is Lord of Lords. Now he's ready to set sail, face the choppy water, storms ahead because Timothy has a Lord, Lord over all Lords, a Lord who will return, a Lord who's powerful, uncontested, a Lord like no one else actually, a, a God, he's like God, he is God and that's what he'll say, Jesus is God, that's the truth, Timothy. Embrace it, Timothy, because living in congruence between Jesus being Lord and the way you carry out your life, that's going to be a practical gift for you. That's going to be the best way to live. Uh, we often think, we are often told that the best thing for us is to kind of, you know, uh, chart our own course, captain our own ship. I, like I'm going to squeeze the maritime metaphor here, all of these things. We'll take on board what we want and what we don't do or don't want to. We navigate by our own stars, whatever it is. To use the playground metaphor, we want the anarchy. We think we want the anarchy where we can do anything. And yet it's so impractical for life. It is not sea, it's not a seaworthy way of approaching life. You live long enough in this life, you know you actually don't know what's coming around the corner. Uh, you don't know what's coming next. You can try and live without a ballast, 
No deep weight, no deep knowing, no deep conviction that there's a Lord over this. You can try, but it'll be tough. It'll be treacherous. Knowing that there's a Lord who has blessing in his hand, that he alone rules, knowing that he is there and he cares and he holds tomorrow in his hand, well, that sets you up to face anything. Uh, this week, I spoke to a couple. Uh, they're moving out of their house in Gundawindi, and the rental market, of course, like everywhere, is brutal. And uh, we talked about the practicalities of that. Uh, but I found, my, I found myself saying, look, the Lord will look after you. And sometimes that sounds like a really like, nice, lovely minister thing to say that's a cliche. But after doing this this week, I did actually mean that. Uh, for someone, you know, things are changing for me too. I spoke it for myself as well. The Lord will look after me in this. We can trust him that indeed he holds tomorrow in the palm of his hand. He looks after us. For us, living in a world like ours, it's a practical gift to know that you have a Lord, to know that you have someone who holds tomorrow, who is powerful in his hand, uh, that there is blessing in his hand. Uh, that drains That drains our panic, our fear, our, our anxiety. It's a practical gift knowing Jesus is Lord of Lords. Um, let's look at a second thing, different aspect. Let's go, uh, it is a long-lasting gift. Uh, my, I will give gifts to my kids on Christmas Day. Some of those gifts won't last the day, okay? Uh, we don't want that. We want long-lasting gifts. And so we see this one is also one with an eye for the future. Paul will say to Timothy, here's how long you need to live like Jesus is Lord. Uh, here's the finish line. Verse 14 until he's appearing. That's all. Just get on with it until he appears again. And so notice there is a future to Jesus' lordship. There is a sense of living forward that Timothy is to do. Uh, Jesus will appear one day as Lord, unmistakable. You need to live in that time now as though that were the case. Jesus speaks about his lordship in a similar way. He actually does it in a negative sense. We read that in Matthew chapter 7. He explains that there's going to be people who use Jesus and his status as Lord to get what they want. Jesus fast forwards and says, on that day, that's what he calls it, the day when our actions, motivations, deeds are revealed, he says there's going to be a bunch of people that have called Jesus Lord, do that seemingly out of that truth, but all the while have just wanted to do it for themselves. Now that there's actually a gap between what their mouth says and what their heart chases after. Jesus says you can say the words about him without being Lord, uh, but you can also then do it in an empty way. If you read the Gospels, look through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you'll see lots and lots of people call Jesus Lord, and some are genuine. They do indeed give him his... They give them their trust and allegiance, but there's others, they don't. It's just styrofoam, it's words, it looks the part but it's nothing. It's a misuse of the term Lord. Jesus is interested in people living forward now. Living like lordship means something that if you say, Lord, Lord, you mean it. That there's a future and that will prove Jesus as Lord and we get ready for that day. Paul encourages Timothy to do the same for us today. 
There is a lordship. We live, we arrange and organise our life so that we are under Jesus' lordship because one day that will indeed be true and real and full and fulfilled. Uh, Jesus being called King of Kings and Lord of Lords falls off our tongue really well. It's kind of poetic and neat and understand what it is saying, that he is indeed Lord over all lords, King over all kings. Friends, we will have certain loves and loyalties in life. If we went around a room and hear what we live for, what we want to live for, our allegiances, uh, we'd have a whole bunch of things. We're told here... Jesus is Lord of all of your lords. We don't pledge allegiance in Australia. That would be weird. That's kind of countercultural to the way we like to roll. But in other times and places, it's kind of an important part of a society of people. Making sure it's clear who your, allege your allegiance is to. Uh, you would pledge your fealty. We don't even use words like that. Pledge your allegiance. Show everyone in a public ceremony... Who is your Lord? Uh, you take your blade, your sword, turn it, blade to you, hilt to the Lord, and show that he is truly the one with authority and power. We don't do anything as dramatic as that, but that's the claim made by Jesus. It's what we see, actually, as we unwrap the names of Jesus. We see Jesus, in John's revelation, as the one arriving on a white horse, pictures of power and victory, He's not to be trifled with. Uh, Christmas reminds us of the baby Jesus. That's good and true. He's also the Lord who will return on the white horse, not to be trifled with. The king has arrived. The Lord is here. He will return. End of the year is a really good time to unwrap that, to go, who, who is actually my authority? Who do I live under? Who do I call Lord? Who do I mean when I call him Lord? Is Jesus Lord over every part of my life? Is my loves and my loyalties and my allegiances laid at his feet? Because we dare not misuse the name of the Lord Jesus. It's a practical gift. gives us a keel, a ballast. It's a forward-looking, leaning gift. helps us think about the future and being having our allegiances right but I want to say thirdly, it is also a wondrous gift. Um, I'm not a good gift giver. Uh, if someone just says thank you, that's good. But really, we want, we want to give gifts where the people are wowed, right? If we can go, look, if we can get them to go, wow, uh, that's going straight to the pool room. That's a win on Christmas Day. Uh, I want to say, we've heard good gifts, practical, forward thinking. There is also a wow gift for us to unwrap in this too. Bear with me. We, we've got to go on a, we're going on a walk, okay? Um, throughout the Bible, God's name has been given weight, okay? What we call him is given weight. Uh, if you read Exodus, if you haven't read Exodus, well, crack open Exodus, read it, it's a good story. Uh, there's this bloke named Moses in it. Moses is a shepherd. He's trotting around chasing his sheep in the middle of nowhere and God calls to him from a bush that's not burning up. Uh, it is on fire, not burning up. And God says this, uh, Moses, I'm going to rescue my people. I'm going to pull off uh, the rescue mission of the ages and I'm going to deliver them from, from their slavery. I'm going to show that I have the power to do that. And he does, uh, hands down. But also in the midst of that story of power, 
We also see that he is this God that not only is powerful, brute force, but is this covenant-making God. He's a God that draws near to his people and will actually commit himself to his people. And throughout Exodus, there is also this big deal made out of what name will we give this powerful, covenant-keeping God? It's a, it's a big deal. Uh, Moses wants to know. God says, you can call me I Am, uh, Yahweh. And these three things, God being powerful, being a covenant-keeping, faithful, loving, kind God, and what name we give him are melded together throughout Exodus and the Old Testament. So in Exodus 34... Uh, this is what it says. Uh, God speaking of himself says, uh, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Notice, got the name twice. We get his loving, committing, faithful, covenant-keeping nature there. He goes on, though, but by no means clear the guilty, visiting iniquity on the fathers of the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Don't trifle with him. Serious. Powerful. Loves his people, commits himself to them. Uh, he saves them when they're stuck. He's with them. He's the covenant-keeping God. He is strong and kind. That's Yahweh. Over time, the name gets so revered, it's so melded into who God is, that God's people... Don't want to speak it in it. They refuse to speak it. They'll call him the name, maybe. Or there is another word used all the way through the Old Testament that is used to describe God powerful and covenant-keeping. It, of course, is, is Lord throughout the Old Testament. It gets that weighting, that bearing. It's freighted with that story woven into it. Notice, uh, when we get to the Gospels... Uh, Jesus is called Lord just as a respect thing sometimes by some people. It's just like saying sir. But the gospel writers are also pointing out something when we come across Jesus, that the word Lord, the name Lord, fits Jesus like a glove. He is indeed that Old Testament God who indeed is powerful, mighty to save, loves his people, draws them near. Uh, to be pronounced Lord of Lords, it is capturing all of that Old Testament picture and placing it on him. He is our ballast, yes, holds tomorrow. He is the one we lean to the future to, to live under. But don't miss this one. He is also our Lord, loving, kind. He will go to the cross for us. He will go die for us, rise again, bring us close, create a new covenant draw us near. Uh, throughout the Old Testament, Moses is called to the burning bush. He's got to take his shoes off because God's unapproachable. There is this sense of holiness that we can't transgress. He is unapproachable. Uh, Paul picks up on that in that 1 Timothy passage. Unapproachable because we're unholy. In the story of Christmas, it is about God coming close to us, becoming approachable, so much so human hands will pick him up and cradle his head. He becomes approachable for us so that we know we can be made right, made holy again, not by our doing but by his. He goes to the cross to set people free. He's the Lord who pays for guilt and shame. No other Lord does that. That's Yahweh. That's the Lord Jesus, Lord of Lords. Uh, there is a disciple, to finish, there's a disciple named Thomas 
Uh, he's struggling to tie together all of that Old Testament stuff and what is said and Jesus. He well, doubts it, actually. How can it be true? And uh, in a, one of the most like, beautiful moments, pictures of approaching God, he comes forward to see Jesus, that's one thing, but more to see his scars, where he died, where he paid for sin, and that now he is indeed alive. He reaches out and touches the scars. And in that moment, it becomes clear for him that indeed this Jesus, who is mighty, powerful, come to save his people, link them back to God, that this is him that stands before him, scarred, yet alive like nothing else. And hear the words that fall from his lips. My Lord and my God. Uh, for us, that is the invite this Christmas. Unwrap it. He is indeed the Lord. Hold your tomorrows. He is indeed the Lord. Live for him by all means. Pledge your allegiance to him. He is the Lord that seeks for you to say, my Lord, my God. The invitation for that to be the relationship between you and him. Friends, unwrap that this Christmas. Be wowed by that gift that indeed there is a Lord who has come onto the scene to right wrongs, fix things and draw us close. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we praise you that the name fits, that you are indeed God and powerful. You are also covenant-keeping you know tomorrow, you call us to live under you and you achieve it all by your work. Lord, we praise you that you are the Lord of Lords. Please help us today to live like that, tomorrow, all of the days until you're appearing. Grant us the power and strength to do that. We pray this in your name. Amen.